For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. There he is. <laughs> Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, who looks to have a three-notch beer up on our screen right now. Minuteman IPA, and you know what Mondays are? Minuteman Mondays. Minuteman Mondays. But no, it's great to be back. I'm excited for today's podcast episode. We've been texting quite often about what we're going to talk about today, and I think this is going to be a podcast that is almost not lethargic what's the other word cathartic 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 that's the word we've been doing it so long <laughs> I, I hope it's not too lethargic maybe a little bit um no it'd be cathartic for both of us i feel like we both have things we need to get off of our chest and today's a really good podcast to do that um but first before we jump into anything as always i think bennett has to do a little bit of a plug for our one of our sponsors Yep, we talked every Monday, Miniman Mondays, $3 Miniman Pints and 3Notch, the Valley Collab, right, in, in Harrisonburg. Every Wednesday is game night, so if you're listening live, game night, you got $5 flagship pints. The Oktoberfest beers are here, which is exciting. They've been here for a few episodes now. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, maybe I should change the copy from are here to still here. <laughs> so take advantage of those. We love their beer. We're about a month away. I don't know if you have another trip planned, but at least I'm at least about a month away here from getting some three notched in Harrisonburg. I'm about the same as you, except I'll probably be checking out their new Richmond collab house um, here at the end of the month. So experiencing that, but it's also worth noting they still have Hellfest lager and some steins left. So you head to the Valley collab house, get yourself a stein, get yourself an Oktoberfest beer and um, according to their Instagram, yes, it makes you cooler if you drink out of a stein. I'm just drinking out of my handy-dandy 902 Brewing pint glass. Shout out 902 Brewing. I don't know if it's technically a competitor. They're out of New Jersey and Jersey City. Great beer <laughs> if you're ever up there. But, of course, if you're in Harrisonburg, always check out Three Notched Valley Collab House. And also Bet Online. Bet Online is back. Football is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season, find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, game trends, everything you need on Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, always the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB. Postseason is here. Uh, my hometown Mariners, you know, I like the Seahawks, so of course I got to support the Mariners. I support the Kraken too. Got to keep it all a stack in one city. Tough loss yesterday to the Astros. That was really tough. That was a tough loss. I mean, I guess it's kind of payback for what the Mariners did in the wild card game, having that like seven run comeback. So 
Heartbreak was bound to happen. Uh, but you can bet on MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Not a lot of books give you 100% welcome bonuses. So check out Bet Online. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And where this podcast is starting, Bennett, I think it's a breakdown of what happened against Arkansas State. Or do we want to talk about the fact that Dukes are ranked? I mean, maybe we shouldn't bury the lead in this one. We can start there. They broke into the top 25, the AP top 25, which is very exciting. It's uh, the first time in program history they've ever been there. They're the first team transitioning to the FBS to get ranked in their first transition season. So, I mean, it's I think that's a pretty huge milestone. Oh, for sure. And, and one that I would say, like in certain aspects, they've already kind of succeeded because they weren't, I don't know, I feel like some people picked them to win four games this year and they've already won five and they're ranked in the top 25. I think given how well they've played, if they lose out, it would be disappointing. Uh, but like kind of already have hit some huge marks in terms of like a successful year one. Yeah. And I'll be honest on the podcast, all of our preseason podcasts, I was on here talking about how I could see a way they only won four games like this stacked up as it was going to be a tough schedule. But I mean, Dukes are five and zero oh and look really good while doing it. It's a bummer. They're not bowl eligible this year, but it is pretty cool that they're ranked. But I mean, being ranked isn't the goal, right? <laughs> this is something you disagree with yes i mean with 100 no 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 shade to chase skinny on this he's been a podcast guest multiple times we had a little bit of a back and forth on twitter about it i get what he's saying that for a program just getting to the top 25 isn't the goal it's everything else that comes with it uh, but he just had a funny line in one of his articles which i highly recommend you read because overall it was a fantastic article there was just one really funny line where he put in there um Dukes don't want to be ranked. And I was like, I think they do. I think uh, JMU definitely wants to be ranked. His overall point was that this, there, there needs to be more that comes out of it. They need to keep pushing, blah, 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 all that stuff. But just putting Dukes don't want to be ranked. I was like, ah, I think they do. <laughs> I think every JMU alumni, every JMU casual fan, JMU football player, coach, administration, um, everything, I think they wanted to be ranked, and I think this is going to help immensely with future recruiting. And I think when Kurt Signetti says, hey, look, we're going to compete in the college football playoff when it gets to 12 teams, we're going to compete for that, and we're going to be in the running. I think this just goes to show that he's not wrong. Like, they're going to compete quickly. Yeah, I think sort of Chase does those, like, weekly takeaways over at Hero, right? So after every game, he's got the takeaways. And I, I guess the the subtle difference he was was pointing out is there's a difference between wanting to play excellent football being the goal and then being ranked is sort of the um, I guess the reward for playing excellent football. It's it's sort of a a sign that you're in the right direction, but not necessarily a goal. Yeah, I do think it's probably in Kurt Signetti's contract though. So I mean, like <laughs> I think there are there are some aspects of it of like yeah, it is a goal because he. Definitely got opponents for this. <laughs> I also like, think I, there's it's, it's two pronged. I think we were texting about it. I think being ranked it means you have to be playing really good football, and like that then brings be like it's not independent of each other. These two things are very codependent. Where if you are ranked, it means you're playing really good football, and if you play really good football, it means you're going to be ranked. 
Right. You can play good football without being ranked, and you can be a big brand name that gets ranked and maybe you're not playing as well. Texas. But for the most part, if you're in the top 25, <laughs> you're probably pretty good, especially from the G5. So I think it's it's one that I think actually means more than just like, wow, this is really cool for fans. It's the kind of thing that like gets some national attention, which matters, right, if they expand to 12. Like a lot of that is going to be perception because you just need to be the highest ranks, like non-power five. That's sort of the, the system they have like proposed, right, is is the group of five, the highest ranked group of five champion, I believe, or it's, they might do it where it's the top six conferences. So the highest ranked conference champion from six conferences. So you would group of five would be one of those would get a spot in the college football playoff. So I think obviously the, the playoff committee isn't the AP top 25, but like being in that is certainly helpful. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think JMU is ranked if it wasn't for all the national media attention that came from week one to not three because they didn't play the upset against App State? Like, do you think this narrative has helped JMU become ranked? Because Coastal, they're 6-0 and and they're not ranked. And there's no talk around them. Also, they're not good, but they're 6-0. and <laughs> I think that helps. I think the narrative helps with JMU getting ranked for sure. Like that's, that's part of what it is, right? Is some of it is you have like beat reporters. Like I used to be a voter and I was nerd. a beat re- nerd. And I was sending that back at me. <laughs> when I was voting, I wasn't like, I wasn't watching every team play. I wrote a little article about that where I had some like inside baseball stuff about the AP top 25. But like if I was covering a road game at Louisville on the UVA beat, you would like, get to the stadium if it's 3 30 kick you'd get to the stadium a couple hours before so you can't really watch much of the noon games the 3 30 game you're only watching uva unless you're like really messing around and watch other games on your laptop <laughs> while following that one um and then the night games you're probably working on like stories and stuff so you're you're not actually watching a lot of football outside of the team that you cover uh, which i think is is worth noting so a lot of this is like is narrative yeah and seeing what other voters are doing and not wanting to be a a dummy and get roasted on Twitter. And if you see a bunch of other people have them at 25, it's like, well, maybe I'll stick them at 25. There's a little bit of group think involved there that I think the, the AP poll doesn't want you to believe there is where it's like, this is we're historic and we're amazing. It's like kind of, but you've also got like people who are just tired submitting a ballot because no one's paying them to submit a ballot. So yeah, I think narrative played a role, but I also think coastals look wildly unimpressive and JMU's look really good in the five wins too. So, talking about JMU looking good, they looked really solid for three quarters against Arkansas State. They looked kind of shaky in quarter one. Uh, And I think this game is a major reason JMU is ranked. I mean, you go on the road to a hostile environment that everyone knows really, really well in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They have a waterfall. Um, They have (laughs) five fans in the stands. And, and they beat them down pretty well, 42 to 20. And it's not even as close as that 22 points like indicates. Arkansas State never really had anything going. Their offense looked bad. Their defense really couldn't, I mean, had a couple good drives here and there. But overall, JMU looked dominant. And was and this game was a big reason. They jump into the top 25. You go on the road and you see them win by 22 points in a nationally televised game. What were some of your takeaways against the Red Wolves here? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this wasn't quite a full, full viewing experience for me in terms of a, a quality rewatch. Uh, brother's wedding was on Saturday. So I did follow this game and I, Wait, I, I have a thought, question. Yeah. Can I talk to your brother really quick? Who does a Saturday wedding in college football season? 
It was so nice, though. <laughs> okay, valid, valid. It was in Virginia with the fall foliage and in Stanton, Virginia, and man, like, I'm I'm with you on like, oh no, a college football Saturday, and then you get out there and you see all the trees, and you're like, all right, I get it. <laughs> but it was, wow, it was it was a fun time, and I did have a chance to follow the game a little. I've watched some things. I think the the number one takeaway. Well, there are some like negative takeaways that I think are probably worth addressing. I think like the kicking. We have a segment for that. The slow starts are a little bit of a concern, but for me, it was just like they're way better than them, and they showed that you know as through the course of four quarters. And Sente was awesome. He threw for like 400 yards, basically four touchdowns. Thought he was fantastic. And then the fact that they can like alternate running backs every week on who has the big game. Percy was really (laughs) physical in this game. Like he's got a great burst but he was finishing runs like Palmer does where he just was running over guys. I mean, he was like chipping people's helmets off. So he had some, some phenomenal runs. So I think for me, the, the offense was the big takeaway, although uh, it's just sort of another week where the defensive line and linebackers kind of went off again. Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad you brought up Percy because he was injured the last two weeks. He didn't play against app state. He had minimal carries in the following week against I already Texas, forgot who they, state. Texas state. And then got a huge, huge workload against Arkansas State. Carried it 21 times, 158 yards, averaging seven and a half yards per carry. And I think that's the most explosive and most dangerous I've seen Percy in well over a year, in well over a season. He seemed to be able to hit the hole. He played with great vision and he played with great speed while playing under control. And I know that's obviously like every cliche you can say about a running back. But he really played exactly how you want a lead feature back to play. Latrell Palmer got it 13 times. He only rushed for 34 yards. So not the best uh, performance from Latrell Palmer, but he was more so the bruising back in that situation. It is interesting, though, no Kalon Black again. We didn't see him. I don't. I think we saw him maybe two carries against Texas State, something very, very minimal. Um, and then we didn't see him at all against Arkansas State. I haven't seen him come up on any injury reports he's still listed on the two deep um so i'm really not sure where kalon black is i'm not sure if he kind of is a break in a case of emergency type of situation like percy was against texas state but that'll be something to monitor as we move forward i don't think they are listening but if anyone on the beat is listening it would be super helpful if there was just like an injury question every week like i'm not i don't mean that like to be mean but it's just like I remember when I was on the Virginia beat and I was was not doing that at first because I was focused on like big picture things, which I think is very easy to do with this JMU season. But like it would be super helpful to know like what's up with Kamara on the defensive line. I think Chroma didn't travel either or, or at least they were out of that game. So those kind of injury updates would be super nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other takeaways kind of from a play by play inside the numbers inside baseball kind of take away from this game and then from there we can extrapolate that out to our really negative segment that we have coming up and our really positive segment i was surprised by who caught the four touchdown passes it was so it was horton painter van horse ravenel if you had told me like there <laughs> are four, four touchdown passes thrown all the four different people and one of them is not Chris Thornton, who had nine <laughs> catches for 173 yards. I think I would have been surprised by that. But huge game for the tight ends because they were doing some RPO stuff, I guess. And they were really keying in on, on the run and left the tight ends kind of wide open a couple times. And they had some nice, nice catches. 
Uh, Van Horst seems like he's going to be out for a long time, potentially this season, suffered an injury in the game. I didn't even see him get injured. I'm so bummed about that because he's he was coming on so strong. You know how much we, at least me, have plugged since, him over the years. Since his freshman West Virginia appearance, every year, every offseason, you'd say, I want to see Van Horst be used as a receiving back out of the backfield or put him in the slot. He steps into this game, five receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Looks like he's explosive out of the backfield in terms of receiving the ball, and then boom, he's done. So he's played 15 games since the start of last season. He has 39 catches for over 400 yards and six touchdowns. I feel like we like never talk about him. It's just like he's so productive when he's out there. So to, to not have him stinks because he was banged up at the beginning of the year. And it was like, oh, they got him back. This is great. And it's that's tough for him. So hopefully he can get healthy eventually and, and contribute a little more because he's he's pretty good when he's out there. He's very good, and he's a fan. We, we talk all the time about the change of pace backs between Percy, Latrell and Kalon. But Van Horst was right in there with them. Yeah. He may not have been that change of pace handed off back, but when Van Horst was in, you knew he was about to do something out of the backfield that was special. I mean, that wheel route touchdown to him was a thing of beauty. He's so good, so productive. So that one's <clears throat> that one's tough. The other The other stat that kind of stood out a lot was like, I feel like we've been talking a lot about Jalen Walker. I mean, for good reason. He's a yes, probably the best. Real quick, I need to go on a quick Jalen Walker (laughs) thing. Jalen Walker may be the best defensive player I've seen at JMU in my time. And we've seen people like um, Andrew Ankra, Wayne Davis, Jimmy Moreland, Rashad Robinson, um, I'm trying to think of number Z. What was number zero? Tucker Dorsey. There's Tucker Dorsey. Who I'm thinking of an edge guy. John Daka. Daka. Daka was a monster. Like all of these guys were absolute studs. And now Jalen Walker, a sophomore, 31 tackles this season, two interceptions, three pass breakups, three quarterback hits, a sack, two TFLs, and is seemingly all over the place on every single play. Like when you run the type of defense JMU runs that 4-2-5, your linebackers have to do so much sideline to sideline to make up for the fact that you're only running two linebackers. You have that rover, but the rover doesn't necessarily do what the linebacker does. And Walker has just been absolutely amazing. So many big time plays from him. I mean, he's a big reason they won the App State game a pick six this season and pair that with Taurus Jones. This linebacking duo is so good, but Jalen Walker is the heartbeat of that defense. And he's awesome. He's phenomenal. And that's what I was just going to say about Jones is like, like, hello, 13 tackles, two <laughs> yeah. tackles for a lot. Like way, way to have a game. That's like, don't forget about me. He's got four, ta- four and a half tackles for loss in the last two games. He's been, been absolutely fantastic. So to have those guys, plus the defensive line that they have is pretty special. And I think it, it makes life significantly easier for the secondary. Yes. Before we get into the second, that was the perfect setup. And I thank you so much for that. However, I have to shout out Isaac Uku as well. Yes. Because he went down with an injury in the first, I think it was the first drive of the game. He wasn't happy about it post game. I don't know if you his heard comments his comments were awesome. Yes. His, 
and, and I mean, he raises a good point. Don't don't block low if you're a tight end just because you can't block me was essentially what he was saying. He gets injured on that play. I imagine shakes up his knee, something gets twisted, goes off, goes under the medical tent, uh, probably gets taped up. And then he comes back out and has six tackles, two and a half TFLs, two sacks, and a forced fumble. Like Best game of the year for him. <laughs> like he just – and he missed – it was just an insane game for Ukwu, and he just deserves to get a shout out for that too. The defensive line is just so, so good. And I'm so glad you brought up the defensive line. Do you want to move into our negative segment now? We can do our negatives, yeah. All right, we'll go into our negatives. Our, our Dukes have no hope segment. Talking about the negatives, they've played so well this year, but they haven't been perfect. And I think there are probably some, uh, maybe two major areas for concern. If you could say three, if you want to have slow starts, but the secondary is one people are still a little concerned about. And I think that's, that's fair. They had some growing pains in this game. I would, I would say. Yep. So there's, there's some concerns there. And then uh, the kicking game was also a concern. Yeah. Big time. I was unable to watch the field goals. I have not seen video footage of the field goals. <laughs> so one of them was kind of long. 45 was what it was listed as, but I was I told think... it was into the wind. Sure. By, he... by Kirsten Nettie. <laughs> he, <laughs> it came up short by like two yards. But it was in like in the middle. It would have made it if he had the distance, but he yeah. didn't have the distance. I'll chalk that one up as it's a long one. It's tough. Okay, if you miss that and go one for two on the night, I'm not upset. But then he missed another chip shot and just missed it. 32 yards. And I'm not here to call for anyone's job. I'm not here. This is college football. I understand there's bigger things. But when you have Madden on the roster too, another potential kicker, I think Camden Wise is two for five now on the season. Two for six. <laughs> He's two for six on the season, and I know we were spoiled with Ethan Ratke, who's arguably the best college kicker in terms of, like, accuracy ever. I know you're taking a step, but when you take a step from that to a 33% field goal kicker, in games that I know will be closer as we move on through the season, that are more pressure-packed kicks... Look, I get it's I get it's all a mental game. I get kicking is tough. I get like you I wouldn't be able to hit a 45 yarder. I wouldn't even be able to hit a 32 yarder. But I got some questions. I'm I'm all in on wise. Why? I, I think he's got to be the guy because he's obviously struggled, but they haven't, you know, in the end they haven't mattered. They haven't cost them at least. So that's that's a positive. Signetti multiple occasions has has been like he's the guy. I told him he's going to make some big kicks for us this year. It's fine. He's the guy. Cool. He can say all he wants. I mean, I can. I think say, that tells me though that he's the best kicker on the roster based which on practices. Does, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, but does that not worry you that the person no. who's kicking thirty three percent on the year is the best kicker no, on the roster? <laughs> no, we went like five years. <laughs> With like the greatest kicker, and that doesn't make that doesn't make up this year. This is what college kickers are. No, college kickers are like eighty percent, seventy-five percent, eighty percent, seventy-five percent. They're not under fifty percent. No, they're not under fifty. But college kickers are highly 
So here, let me get, what do you think Tyler Gray's career field goal percent? 75%. He was 69. Nice. He was 69%. He never hit anything over 50. I'm pretty sure. I don't need my college kicker to kick over 50. I just need my college kicker to not kick 33%. I think, though, I th- he was like when he made that kick that was like 45 yards. That was his career long at the time, I think. Yeah, I think he was like 0 for 7 going into that on kicks over 40 yards. I don't made get, it. Again, Houston, again. Houston act like he like it's the first time he's ever seen him make a field goal. Like I don't, I'm going to be honest with you, though. I don't it. care about over – I get – it's tough to – He's 0 for 2 on 27 yards or in. No, 0 for, 1 of 3. I just think that he's going to figure it out. I just I, I know, hope he so. Had, he's only had six kicks and everyone's like freaking out and they're like, "Oh, he's, he's If not he was the guy. 3 for 6, I wouldn't care. That's the if thing. If he had made one, that's ridiculous. If yes, no, one. if he had made one, one if he made if he went 1 of 2 against Arkansas State, I wouldn't care because he sh- you haven't seen the video footage of the 32-yarder. It was Only, way left. He hooked it. it like, yeah, it, it never like, had a shot. It was the right hash, and it was left, right? Yes. Because Signetti was saying his worst ha- his worst hash is the right hash. That's the one that's harder for him. So just put him on the left hash, boys. <laughs> if take a third down play. Santeo's got to take a sack on the left hash. All right, and let's try I think he makes a few and redeems himself. I would. I would say that I know he's not kicking well, but I do think he redeems himself. And I like that Signetti has said, hey, he's our guy. All right. All right. But it, but it's also fair to say that two of six for the rest of the season is obviously not going to not gonna cut it, right, if you're missing 32 yarders. And I, I think we it's weird, though. He's yeah. perfect on extra points. I mean, those are, that's pretty hard to miss. But yeah. Well, I know, but like if well, you, and if they also, had the they don't even like look They don't look bad. Like they all look pretty – Right. Yeah. He, yeah, like he doesn't have the yips or anything. That's the – like if he had the yips, I'd get him missing some extra points or like shanking him or, or doing something weird. But he's perfect on extra points. He's also – the other one, the one of the misses was blocked. So we don't know if that was going in or not. But Isn't I don't remember. partly on I the kicker's fault I don't remember to get if it, it was too low or – It was low. It was, it was, it was a further kick, so it was a low trajectory. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I just want to see a little more. I want to. Okay. I want to keep giving him his chances. All right. But I think on the on the flip side, I like aggressive Signetti, and I think like maybe not automatic field goals from thirty five yards plus leads to more aggressive Signetti. I think in the end, it actually could be really good if he can if he makes kicks from inside of thirty yards at like seventy five percent the rest of the way. Fine. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. But it's it's definitely something worth monitoring now. But I, I'm not going to bail on him yet because he's only had six kicks like i don't know it just feels like such a small sample size when and this is a horrible horrible comparison <laughs> but like i feel like our first quarters with like todd Santeo at quarterback he's missed like a lot of reads and throws and like throughout later in the game he becomes like legitimately the best quarterback in the Sun Belt. yeah i just i, I don't i'm not saying why he's the best kicker in the Sun Belt. i'm just saying <laughs> This is his first quarter. It would be pretty hard to go like 31 games sitting on the sideline knowing you're not going to have to kick and then now going on a ranked team and being like, like no pressure, but here's your first few field goals. You know, like I feel like Racky had some time to be like, hey, we're up 60 on people in games that that really don't matter as much. I just feel like there's a little more pressure and I think it's going to take him some time to get used to being comfortable in a game. I want guess how much was guess the wind in the stadium 
on game day. So Nettie said into the wind, and it, it seemed like something that didn't sound genuine. So I'm going to say like three miles an hour. It was five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was like a a wind thing. But I, I mean, it's not like Racky had a lot of distance, even though everyone did like stories on how Racky had a distance after college without any way to verify that he in fact had it. Like they didn't let him kick a 50 yarder against Sam Houston, right? They had Madden come in. Yeah. So I don't know. And also a reason, a place to worry for these Dukes that I think can get exposed this weekend is this secondary. This secondary scares me. I had hope for a little bit when I was like, oh, it's just (laughs) Brad Austin. Like, okay, they can just pick on one guy. But Chauncey Logan is just locking down the other side. Good for him. He's having himself a time over there. Arkansas State picked on Logan and got some catches. And I think got a pretty bad touchdown where Logan passed him off to, I think it was Q Reed at safety or whoever was playing the safety on his side. And it was just a complete breakdown in coverage. And Logan just didn't look like he knew what was going on, which is to be expected out of a freshman. Both of our starting corners are true freshmen. So in theory, they're going to get better every game and you're going, but you also are going to expect bad plays like that. But this secondary does worry me. If this defensive line doesn't get home in under two seconds and the opposing quarterback has time in the pocket, they can get got. And they got got uh, against Arkansas State a few times. And it really worries me. They can get got. The good news is some of the Sunbelt teams have, like, atrocious defenses. (laughs) Like, atrocious. Georgia Southern is one, is one of those teams they sling it around a lot but the other thing that's kind of fascinating going back to the secondary is kyle van Treese has i think he has 13 touchdown passes 11 picks 11 picks that's a lot of interceptions he threw four last week against georgia state that's a lot so they're yeah. gonna have chances and like i've seen some some georgia southern fans on twitter who are like yeah, you're going to have like five passes that are interceptable. It's just a matter of if if the corner t- like intercepts it or not. But like he's going to throw <laughs> passes that probably should be intercepted. So I think that's going to be something to monitor is when they have those chances, can they reel the ball in and things like that. I mean, I think a theory a lot of people have floated out there is that Chauncey Logan gave up some long ones on purpose because he wants to see Georgia Southern challenge him so he can get a few picks, get his Heisman campaign for next year started early. Um, and I think that might be the case. I think there's a good chance that's what happened so something to consider i do think chauncey logan is a good corner i just think the fact that him and austin <clears throat> excuse me are both true freshmen like it it worries me that they're going to have opportunities to show their greenness show their show their rookiness this week jordan swan gets to start at cb1 Chauncey Logan at CB2, Xavier Cockley, uh, backup, Brent Austin, backup. They got that dog in them, though. <laughs> They're going to show it. Should I do my other? What was my other rant? The game, I have the game day rant. Oh, we want to go right version. into that? Okay. That's still negative. I thought I had another negative one, too, and I can't even remember now. I think you were just mad. Oh, oh it's the bowl game. It's the bowl game stuff. Okay, we'll go, I'll give you your rant. Here's here's the floor. I'm handing you the floor, handing you box one. Take over this game day or no game day. And if you want to take this into bowl games, you can do that. Okay. I mean, we are only one game away from being bowl eligible. This is true. This is true. I just don't think they're going to get college game day for the Marshall game, the homecoming game. 
Um, and I saw a little steam building up that, hey, maybe they're going to get it. Maybe they're going to get it. It's like you got UCLA, Oregon, which is a, at worst the top 15 matchup. UCLA right now, I'm looking at it, they're 6-0. and Oregon's hosting their 5-1. and I know they got blown out by Georgia, but Chip Kelly returning to Eugene for a huge Pac-12 game seems like a pretty good storyline. Uh, they could go back to Clemson, Syracuse. Clemson's kind of a fun one if Syracuse beats NC State, and they are favored by a few points, although Clemson's going to lose to Florida State this weekend, so that'll be ruined. Um, what else we got there? Oh, Texas. Bold. It is bold, but it's Florida State's It's only a three-and-a-half-point dog. That feels fishy to me. But Texas is going to play at Oklahoma State. I want to say Texas has a game they should win, which is against Iowa State at home. They probably should with Ewers back. Uh, Oklahoma nah, State. Nah, give me Hunter Deckers and uh, Xavier. <laughs> and who? <laughs> Xavier <laughs> Hutchinson. <laughs> but um, you've got TCU and Oklahoma State play each other this weekend. So one of those teams is very much going to be in the top 10 and 6-0 and and probably the best shot in the Big 12 to make the college football playoff. Oklahoma State would host Texas in a huge game. TCU would host <laughs> Kansas State in a huge game. That's a night game. You got the the 3-30 game for Oklahoma State-Texas. I just have a really hard time seeing, like objectively speaking, Marshall-JMU is not the game you go to. If you have like those options, which is like at least one really good Big 12 matchup, and then a phenomenal Pac-12 matchup. And I know some people saying they don't go to the West Coast much, which is true because the 6 a.m. out there would be when the show starts, which isn't great. But like Oklahoma State, Texas, or TCU, Kansas State, is objectively more interesting than JMU Marshall. Even even if there were like not as great games, like that that day is shaping up to be a fantastic day in college football, right? Like, right. A lot of fantastic games. Even if it wasn't, I still think JMU Marshall has a long, long shot at ever getting on the game day radar because I think when you're an FCS school, that almost gives you an edge on a bad college football weekend because you can go to an FCS school. You can hype up that it's a ranked matchup. Like when we had it the first time against Richmond, it was the only ranked matchup in college football, in Division One college football. Like, it just adds a little bit of an oddity to it. It adds something weird. It's a bunch of kids who've never had it before. Like it's an additional storyline that they can run with. But now that JMU's FBS, yeah, we've had it a few times, but that almost hurts our case now when they're like, what is a weird game on an okay college football Saturday? I don't think Marshall JMU really even gets a look, even if it's an okay day of college football. And I, I had kind of said in the past that it was like, hey, the opponent doesn't matter as much, especially at the FCS level. Probably in this case was was wrong on that front when I wrote about that. I think like if Marshall had stayed six and zero as ranked, and it's a ranked matchup, yeah, and it's and it's like Marshall could be in the New Year's Six Bowl, and JMU could be, you know, they're not obviously the, the storyline of um, yeah, not in a bowl, but they have the fun storyline right up there. They're transitioning up, and you can talk about how maybe the yeah. rules outdated or like there's some storylines there that are interesting. I just like I don't think if you're the only way you can think that it's going to JMU, I think, is if you're a JMU fan. Like, it doesn't – to me, it's not, like, the story of the week. It's not, like, the novelty is pretty much gone because they've been to Harrisonburg twice. Like, it, it just seems less of a – like, you would need a pretty bad weekend, and you, you might even need more than I was admitting in the past of, of, like, opponent being good type of credit. I've also seen a lot of people saying, oh, well, game deal come 
for undefeated JMU hosting undefeated Coastal. Coastal's not going to be undefeated by that point. I don't know if JMU is. It's like rivalry weekend, like Michigan-Ohio State and all these unbelievable games, Alabama-Auburn. Like, yeah, it, they're no, not coming. No. <laughs> it's like the students will be at home. Like, stop it. I don't I don't really think they have any chance of getting game day, which is, I know is like a, a very sad rain on a parade take. I just – I don't think it's realistic. I was I was maybe surprised there was still push given how good the, the slate seems like will actually be now. I also want to say this. I think – JMU fans shouldn't get so wrapped up in game day. Like, they shouldn't care about j- game day coming. And I know it's so much free exposure. It's this, that, and the other. And it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. And I think every college student should experience game day because twice. Me, get, me getting it <laughs> twice as a. Did you get it? Were you there for both years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. My junior year. Yeah. Freshman, junior for me. Uh, yeah. But like, being able to experience it is awesome. But Lawrence, Kansas just got it for the first time in the school's history. And they were undefeated back in 2009 and had a really good team. And, like, there's so many other FBS schools that have never had it. Like, it's hard to get game day. JMU fans shouldn't wrap up everything and we want game day. This game has the potential to have game day. Let's circle it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's hype it up. Let's at Lee Fitting, which I don't even think is a producer on the show anymore. Let's do this. Let's do that. Just let it be. Like Let it come if it comes. Don't get so emotionally invested in game day coming. And That's I love my game take day. on it. That's a fair yeah. take. I love game day. I love the intrigue. I love the week-by-week debating. But it's fair, and I think it's also fair now it feels like each week means more like on the field where it's like homecoming is going to be sweet. Like regardless of whether they stick, you know, Lee Corso and company on the quad, like it's going to be really cool. We're in the past where it's like, Hey, we're probably going to blow out Villanova. Like it'd be cool if we had the show, <laughs> like a little something else to kind of headline the day. Now I think the games are good enough and meaningful enough that it's like, if they come very cool. And if they don't, that's fine. And my other hot take Love the game that came really fun as a student. Game day sucks in person. Like game, yeah, it's probably it's so much fun leading up to it. Game yeah. day, terrible. You you can barely hear the audio. You, you can't. Can no, you can't. It's not barely. You don't know what's <laughs> happening on the show. Like they played the uh, Trey Sharp, like the father, his yeah. his father passing away. Like a beautifully, I had to go back to my dorm room and watch it because I couldn't hear it because everyone's talking. Yeah. I was like, guys, it's uh, this is important. Yeah, it's not like an ideal in-person viewing experience. It's really cool, and like I'm sure the school loves it for the the press, and I think it's fun. I like it more now, almost not being there, of being able to like watch it on TV. <laughs> it's almost like more exciting if they get it. But uh, I don't think it's happening, which I don't think matters or, or dampens the season at all. Like it's, it, I don't know, I don't think it's that important. Let's just say this: JMU sold out homecoming, or at least sold, well sold out homecoming, but the student tickets were sold out in 45 minutes. They don't need game day for additional no. hype. Yes, this, we got the buzz. This program has the hype. Um, do we want to go into our positive stuff right now, or do we want to go into listener questions? Let me yell about a bowl game really fast. Oh, wait, bowl game. And also you have to yell about UVA and Tech fans. Oh, yeah, UVA and Tech fans, which I thought was funny because there were there were UVA and Tech fans, whether it was message boards or just on Twitter. <laughs> it was, I people. saw it everywhere. In the replies to, J, like, I think it was PFN, Pro Football Network or whatever, yeah. the like, – 
They yeah. tweeted, Jame, you get 25th. All the comments. They haven't even played a tough schedule. They don't even deserve to be ranked. Tots and Teo's not even that good. Blah, this, that. And then you're like, I adore UVA and Tech fans saying that we haven't played it. And like, you yeah, just hit them like, with the facts. Their strength of record is horrible. And people are like, well, those are different metrics. It's like, I know. <laughs> I would rather have a good strength of record metric than a strength of schedule metric, you dweebs. But it was, I thought that was annoying. And then the the tech fans were like, well, I didn't say anything. So I didn't say That was my tech it. and UVA fans. Well, I didn't say anything, so it must not have happened. Ah, yes, you are the moral compass for all Virginia Tech fans, which we know are large. That's a large group in Virginia spanning the tip of it all the way to the other tip of it. There was definitely some haters with Jamie's ranking. That's that's all I would say. Not everyone. There were some Tech and UVA fans who were very well, nice. And- I think it's really awesome what JNU's doing, and I hope you guys keep it up, which was also the most condescending way. It was, <laughs> some of it was pretty condescending, where it's like, you know, it's pretty cute, the story you've got going. It's like, okay, we'll see you on September 9th, and we'll <laughs> beat you by 100 next year. But, um, yeah, no, I thought that was interesting, those little, like, <laughs> how could you – you know, I didn't say anything. It's like you've been saying things for many, many years before this too about. Yeah, but now, now we suck, and you guys are good. So good job. I like the some of the cell phones were pretty good too. Where it's like I'm so worried about how bad tech is that I can't even think about Jamie. I spend all my time <laughs> thinking about how much we suck. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> like, on spending your Saturdays watching a horrible football team. Um, yeah, that was interesting. But the bowl game stuff with JMU. So they talked to Jeff Bourne. Jeff Bourne had a media availability this week, which was, I thought, interesting. Mostly just like, hey, let's pound the fact that we're 5-0 and and ranked and get as much press as possible by having the athletic director available for 30 minutes. Pretty cool. But he talked to everybody, and they talked about, like, bowl game waivers. And the way I read his comments or heard his comments was, if they're in contention to get the, like, New Year's Six Cotton Bowl bid, they would ponder a waiver. But he's he's not putting out a waiver if they're like seven and four, right? He's not trying to play in like the Frisco Bowl. They've done that. They've done the Frisco trick. They don't need to do it again. So it would have to be like the New Year's Six Bowl. And he, I think he wants to wait. I would say at minimum until they beat Louisville and are like whatever they would be eight no at that point. And then I think they would consider it. Um, but I also don't think they're going to get the waiver. Like I don't. Everyone's like, oh, this is this rule sucks, and it does kind of suck. But the idea that they're just going to like give them a waiver because they're they're good doesn't make any sense like it's not gonna happen yeah yeah oh and the other thing the other thing that was i thought was interesting is there were the idea because shane maitland had had reported this that uh the sunbelt would be on board potentially to lobby for the waiver which like if they're the only sunbelt team in contention to play in the new york six bowl yeah that that makes sense right (laughs) that all checks out to me uh and the other one was that espn might do it like ESPN could lobby for him. ESPN also has the American Athletic Conference. If Cincinnati is the highest ranked group of five, or it's like competitive with JMU, there are a few rankings below and they would get it instead. ESPN's not going to go to the NCAA and be like, actually, we'd like JMU's 14th to get in over <laughs> Cincinnati, who is 17th. No, like if it, if maybe if it's Conference USA or someone who they don't have Mountain West, who they don't have the rights to, but if it's an American Athletic Conference or another Sunbelt team, which seems most likely the Americans, the best group of five conference. Why in the world would ESPN be like, we're just JMU people. We just love the Dukes. Like that's not going to happen. doesn't make any sense. I love it. I love it. I don't think they're going to a bowl game. That's my point is enjoy the 11 games. 
because I don't think they're getting a waiver. Well, do you want to talk about something happy really quick? Yeah, we, <laughs> this is a really negative podcast. <laughs> um, I'll start with the Dukes have all the hope here. We're going undefeated. Like, they are going to be 11-0. and We have the best quarterback in the Sun Belt. Louisville is going to be stinking up the joint when we play them. They have two games before us. There's a good chance. They're 3-3 three three right now. There's a good mm-hmm. chance they're 3-5 and five when we play them with a new coach. And or when we beat them, they then fire their coach because we beat them. This is possible. So, and I think we're favored against Georgia Southern. We're going to be favored against Marshall. We're going to be – it's going to be a close line against – I think so too. We're going to be favored at ODU. We're going to be favored against Georgia State. And we're going to be favored against Coastal. Like, I think there's a – I think there's a possibility if we blow out Georgia Southern and Marshall, we're favored against Louisville. I hope we're favored against Louisville. I'd be if we're the ranked team and we're the underdog. That always that always are ones yeah. when I, I like to bet against it. So that would be sta- scary there. I think they do have a chance to be favored every game the rest of the way. It feels like okay. so if they go if they go three and three, they're eight and three. Like so that would be a pretty average yeah. finish, and they'd still have eight wins. It feels like nine and two. Nine and two to me is the floor, and I think I think eleven and zero is what's like. Maybe I'm getting too. Maybe I've drank too much purple Kool Aid here, but I really think eleven and zero is like the secondary. Yeah, it it leaves a lot to be desired, but the defensive line is so good, and I'm looking at these upcoming teams. Marshall and Coastal are the only eh, offensive lines. Even Louisville has such a bad defense. I think we can go blow for blow with them. Like we're ju- we're just as good, if not better, than Louisville. Yeah, which, and coming into the season, that was the one where I was like, we're gonna get boat raced at Louisville. But then Louisville hasn't shown much. Malik Cunningham isn't good this year. I don't know what happened to him. He was a first round draft prospect. He's got no help. He's got no help. Well, he's not even. He hasn't even eclipsed a thousand yards. He's, he's not been good passing. Had a couple fun running games, and then he's been concussed. So he missed the last game, and they're back up. They torched UVA, which is like saying that you torched like a, a, like a high school team. team. So, <laughs> so that wasn't that impressive. And they have a bye before that. Like the fact that they had a bye going into yeah. State and then a bye going into Louisville. Like the, this, team, this team has one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They have mm-hmm. one of the best running back rooms. This mm-hmm. wide receiving core is blowing me away. Their tight ends are playing damn near lights out. And the offensive line is really, really good. Pair that with the fact that this is – a historically great defense. Yeah, we don't have to focus on the fact that some of their numbers are being bolstered by sacks and other stuff like that. It's a really good defense regardless. Two of the best linebackers, I would say, in the Sun Belt. Defensive line is great. Secondary, eh. But, I mean, overall, I I see us winning the rest of our games. I think we're 11-0. I think the all-Sun Belt team should just be JMU's too deep. I agree. That's what I've been saying. And we're way better than Coastal. Coastal's trash. Yeah, I can't wait for Coastal Week, and they're somehow still Coastal, undefeated. They're going to have, like, four losses by then. They're terrible. I'm hoping they're undefeated, and then they come into Bridgeport, and we blow them out by, like, 40. I will say, if JMU, on the positive front, if JMU is 11-0 in the highest-ranked group of five team, I'm going to be obnoxious about them deserving a waiver. I don't think they're getting the waiver. Like, realistic me is like, nope, there's no waiver. We get 11 games. But I'll, I'll be very annoying about it. I'll be claiming national championships. I'll be doing a lot of things if they go 11-0. Remember how two weeks ago, three weeks ago after the App State game, I was the one on here telling you how this team was actually that great and, and this, that, and the other? Man, how the tables have turned. That's all. 
how the tables have turned. They just look so like they're not even starting well. But there's also like when I'm paying attention to the game and it's like they're trail three nothing in the second quarter. I'm never like, oh no. I'm always like, it's fine. And they all gain them by like 300 yards. Did they trail in this game? They trailed three nothing. Oh yeah, they did. And then they just bodied them. Even then, it was like kind of close late, and they were like, "What if we just scored two more touchdowns?" <laughs> yeah, it was twenty-eight twenty, <laughs> and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, Percy had the thirty-one yard kick, and then Drew Painter had the twenty-eight yard touchdown. Yeah, that's right. It's just they're playing so well, <laughs> and we talked about it. The Sun Belt is like it's good, but Georgia Southern's defense is horrible. They have a quarterback who's interception prone. Marshall's offense doesn't do anything. Like they don't do anything ever. Neither does ODU's offense. ODU's offense. And Georgia State is one of the worst teams in the country. And Coastal's a fraud. Like looking at this Sun Belt <laughs> record, like the rest of the Sun Belt coming up are all extremely winnable games. And then you're at Louisville. The toughest part about at Louisville is having to fly into Kentucky. Other than that, that game's a cakewalk. And they got a beautiful airport filled with bourbon. Maybe they go Did there they really? and buy maybe they go <laughs> go there and pound some bourbons during the bye week spent a couple weeks in Louisville well do you want to break down Georgia State or do you want to uh, answer some uh, Georgia Southern did I say state uh-huh probably because so, they beat them so they they run the state now including, that's right. including the University of Georgia sorry that I forgot that's how the rule works um do you want to break down Georgia Southern real quick do a little get to know you or do you want to do some quick questions from our listeners that's a good question. We'll, we'll go Georgia Southern and then into And then questions. That questions. sounds good. All right. Sounds lit. Are you ready for it? Go for it. Well, Georgia Southern. Let me pull up some stuff. That's not the right music for it. Okay, romantic. Nope, no music for this. All right. <laughs> Time for the three-notched preview. Georgia Southern comes into this one. Three and three, zero and two in Sun Belt play, coming off of a loss against Georgia State. Clay Helton is their head coach, formerly of USC. Took USC to the Rose Bowl in I believe 2016. He's three and three. This is his first season at Georgia Southern. 49 and 27 overall as a head coach. This team is transitioning from triple option to just a typical regular Clay Helton style offense. So a big switch. Lots of transfers in there. They lost. Um, their QB from last season, Justin Tomlin. Their leading rusher from last year, Logan Wright. But they've replaced it with Kyle Van Treese, a six-year transfer from Buffalo, who leads, who holds the record for most passing yards in a season already with 1,933. <laughs> they swing it around the field, but it's also just hilarious that he already holds that. It's six games into the season. Um, but yeah, interception prone, 13 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. This is a team that offensively isn't bad, but defensively is one of the worst in the country. According to EPA, expected points added, they have six. They, their EPA on defense is 16.44 per game, which is 128th in the nation. Friendly reminder, there's 131 teams that qualify for EPA, so they're not good. They're 83rd overall, though, in EPA, 9.08 per game on offense, which is 20th. In the country, they also boast Ezra Archie. That is very true. I think this one reminds me a lot of last week, where it's like I like the head coach in Clay Helton, I liked Butch Jones at Arkansas State, 
the offense is like pretty solid. I like the quarterback and the defense just is a huge issue. Like they're, they're one of the worst defenses in the country. You look at ESPN's efficiency metrics, Arkansas state 122, Georgia Southern 123. So they're a little better offensively than Arkansas state. They're 46 in efficiency, Arkansas state 62nd. So it's a good offense, bad defense kind of feels like a really tough combo to beat a JMU team. That's pretty darn complete. Also worth noting, they scored 2.81 points per drive, which I think is in the top 30. Their defense allows 3.02. So their defense is essentially allowing a field goal a drive, which with this JMU offense will probably result in some big-time points scored. So it's, it's going to be an interesting game to watch for sure. Friendly reminder, they did knock off Nebraska back in week two of the season. So, But that was a 45-42 just – Slugfest was a big reason Scott Frost got fired. Some argue the inciting incident. Absolutely. Okay. What does JMU need to do to win this game? It's a good question. I think they just need to to not make a bunch of errors. If they win the turnover margin against a team that's like really turnover prone, I think they'll be fine. They should move the ball well. Right. Really, the only times they've struggled this year is is Texas State some drive stall because they had some turnover problems. And then App State, when they got in the huge hole, is because they were just putting the ball on the ground seemingly every possession. So if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, I think they have a pretty good chance because they should score a lot of points in this game. And I think the defense is good enough that I was thinking about this earlier. I think I was listening to a, a Sunbelt podcast, and they were talking about how they were interested to see how JMU handles an offensive attack versus more of a, a rushing attack and like uh, a like passing an, attack yeah yeah so like an, an error sorry a passing not offensive a <laughs> team that that throws it a lot or a team that runs it a lot i don't think either of them are great against jmu like they can stop the run but if you're going to go back and throw it a lot they have a pass rush that is so dangerous that yeah you're probably going to hit some chunk plays but i think they have the the defensive line that's going to make some plays and force some issues because they've they've been one of the best teams in the sunbelt in terms of generating sacks so i don't really think there is any great way to attack the jmu defense I agree. I think this defensive line, if they know they're going to pass it, will just tee off on that. And like you said, they'll probably hit a chunk play here and there, maybe evade a sack and get out of the pocket and throw it deep. And there'll probably be a guy open. But I think the defensive line, if they're going to throw it, you know, 75% of the time, the defensive line's going to get back there. They're going to hit They're going to hit Van Treese, and he's going to have a bad time back there. Also, Jamie has an 81% chance of winning this game. Projected points, 35-23. to 23. Over under 67. I like the over. I agree. I like the over in this one. Um, last season, Georgia Southern went three and nine. So they've already matched their win total from last year uh, against the spread though. They were six and six, but not a good team overall. Like just from an efficiency standpoint, their defense brings them down so much. And I, I think JMU's offense, even if I think Georgia Southern is going to have to score on every drive to win this game. Basically, and I don't, yeah. and I don't think that's an exaggeration to say, and I don't see them scoring on every drive. I mean, I think JMU legitimately, like the, I mean, they scored forty-two against Arkansas State, and they didn't score in the first quarter. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, I think they could score fifty in this game, and it wouldn't be like a much of a surprise. I think they should. Like, I think their offense is good enough to go out and score fifty. Right, you're looking at a team that scored forty-four against Middle Tennessee. They had forty against Texas State with a pick-six in there, but. I think it's it's doable to go score 50 as a team. Um, yeah. And you, so then if you give up 28, like it, it doesn't really matter as much. 
Yeah, I think they might give up some points, but yeah. I think at the end of the day, they'll win by two and a half, three possessions. Like, I, I think JMU minus ten and a half, which I think is what the spread is right now, is a awesome bet. Yep, yep. I like that as well. And this it kind of feels like Arkansas State a little bit too, where like I think in a year or two, maybe Butch Jones has that Arkansas State turnaround a little farther forward. And the same with Georgia Southern. I think in two years, Clay Helton will probably have right more of his guys in there in terms of what he wants for, for running his offense and things like that. And maybe some defensive guys that fit more of what they're doing, but it's, it's a team that like JMU feels like they're ready to go out and win these games and win the Sun Belt. So you just got to sort of avoid those huge mistakes. It's also a very interesting kind of breakdown for this game where you brought up the fact that this is a team that wants to drop back and pass it more than they're going to run it. Yet when they rush the ball, they average 5.3 yards per attempt, and they're the sixth most efficient rushing attack in the country. And yet they, like, you're not wrong. They do want to drop back and pass it more. And when they pass it, they're the 58th most efficient team in the in the nation and average 6.81 yards per completion. So they're almost more efficient running it than they are passing it, but they're going to try and pass it. According to EPA, JMU's 10th in the nation defending against the pass and 1st in the nation defending against the run. I wonder if that's almost not quite the same, but almost like when a triple option team throws it where there's like an element of surprise. Like <laughs> yeah. I bet they've they've got like numbers in the box and then they use it yeah. well. Those like that's the best kind of air raid, right? Is when you can sling it a lot and then you also break off. Like I know some of those like Texas Tech offenses in the past were deadly when they had you know, guys throwing it 60 times a game and you'd still have a running back you could hand it to and you'd get you like 12 yards. It's like, what are you supposed to do defensively? So there's some stuff yeah. they do offensively that's yeah. going to be going to be a fun test. And Jamie's going to get tested on third down. Mm-hmm. Georgia Southern's one of the best teams in third down and fourth down success rate. 57% conversion rate on third down, 54% on fourth down, which is sixth best, sixth best in the country. And JMU hasn't really faced a lot of opportunities. And against Arkansas State, getting off the field on third down was tough. There were a couple plays. Like, all their big plays they allowed were on third and longs. I think outside of App State, I would say this is the toughest test to date. Like, I think they're better than middle um, yeah. in, in Arkansas State. So I think it's there's, there's a test here, even though I still think JMU's probably the better team. For sure. Do you want to break down some uh, questions? Yeah. All right. First one for you from Bubba Fisk at Bubba underscore Fisk on Twitter. Major hypothetical. If the 12, you got to love hypotheticals that start immediately with if, if the 12 team playoff already existed and JMU was allowed to compete in the postseason, do you guys believe the Dukes make the playoffs? That is a good question. So they're currently behind Cincinnati in the rankings. But Cincinnati's got uh, – it would be close between those two. I would say – This is mostly – do you think Jamie wins out? Because if Jamie they, wins out – They go out, with they they out they're probably the, the team unless Cincinnati wins out. But I, w- I would say – yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. I think there were, I think there would be actually a, a very legitimate chance because I think they have a chance to be favored in every game that they would, would be the team. Also, if they were, like, eligible for things and had a chance to – play a 12th game which would add to the resume and then a Sunbelt title game you could really really boost the resume with through those yeah but unfortunately that's not happening so what are the potential pitfalls against Georgia Southern I think we touched on it a little bit 
I would say the secondary and a slow start are the major pitfalls. If JMU gets into like a 10-0 hole, a 17-0 hole, and has to dig themselves out of that, that'll be tough. And if the defensive line can't generate any pressure and Van Treese is able to sit back there and pick apart this defense, I think they have three receivers over 25 catches, two over 35 receptions on the season um, in Derwin Burgess and Caleb Hood. They might be able to put up some yards and and, and take advantage of this Duke's defense. Yeah, I think that's got to be the the major pitfall is sort of like a shootout where JMU's defense doesn't get as many stops as we think they will. And it becomes like a really, really tight shootout. Or like you're saying, yeah, they fall down early and then they have to, you know, score two or three times in a row just to like tie the game or, or get within a possession, something like that would obviously be tough. You know, we haven't seen this team trail 28 to three and, and bring it back yet. And we'll, oh, we'll need to see wait. that. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. No, but I think that's <laughs> obviously that would be a tough spot if they're they're down by a lot. And yeah, it's, it's basically if the secondary isn't able to get like consistent stops and, and Georgia Southern can score 45. Yeah, I, I will be real because Clay Helton's not a bad coach. Like he understands no. that mm-hmm. this team's good, that Jamie's defense is good, and Caleb Hood's a slot guy, shifty. I think he's five eight. I would not be surprised if we see a lot of quick, like passing plays. Yeah, that are designed like almost like a run play, but get mm-hmm. it to the outside and get it to the hands of your playmakers. Wouldn't be surprised if Clay Helton draws up stuff like that to really take advantage of this JMU defense and get it out of his Van Treese's hands quickly so the defensive line doesn't even have a chance to get to him. And if they're able to complete those and they they result in chunks, it might be a long day for JMU. I would agree. Next question, where's Kalon Black? We don't know. <laughs> Ask somebody else. <laughs> we'll direct you to the beat writers. Um, I think he's injured and he's currently playing as an in case of emergency break here type of position. Um, so if nothing happens with Latrell and Percy, I doubt we'll see Kalon much this weekend either. Jamie yeah. goes undefeated. How high could they peak in the AP rankings? That's from Poopy Button Swag. <laughs> um, shout out Dragon D1339 uh, for answering that question. Nine, probably. <laughs> Don't know where he got nine, but nine probably. I like that answer for him. What do you think? Um, I don't. I honestly don't think they would get into the top ten. I would say like twelve. Yeah, I was gonna say eleven. So <laughs> right there with each other. I, I just yeah. don't see him. Them having less games than everyone else hurts. And it hurts, and and the fact that like, in fairness, their schedule is pretty soft. Like compared to. <laughs> Compared to the rest of the nation, like I still think they should be ranked because their strength of record is so good. They've their scoring margin is crazy. Like they've been super efficient. But I don't. I mean, I don't know that there's like a top ten strength of schedule there. Um, and I, I think voters are going to have a really hard time saying, you know, oh yeah, I think they could could beat you know Ole Miss or I think they would beat Penn State on a neutral because there are voters that just ask themselves as they do it. No, oh, like they couldn't beat them. They couldn't beat them. So given how little they're they're known at the FBS ranks, I think it'll take some time for for them to get like a top 10 ranking. Love it. And it's time, as always, for everyone's favorite segment, Sunbelt Pickup. All right. Last week, you were on Georgia Southern. No, you were on Georgia State. I was on Georgia. I was on Georgia Southern. 
you we're already missing. Win. We're already missing one this week because there's a Wednesday night game currently in action. It's happening right now. Marshall just went up seven three on the the Cajuns, the Raging yeah. Cajuns. All right, we both were on the app. Troy Southern Miss. Who won that? Oh, game? we got to talk about that app game really quick. They lost to Texas State. What the hell? Oh yeah, that's right. We both were on app and they <laughs> lost. I forgot about that game. I mean, they, what are they doing? They suck. Um, yeah, they're not very good. They're three and three now and one and two in Sunbelt play. What a joke of a program, right? I was on Troy. You were on Southern Miss. Your boys couldn't muster more than ten points. A damn shame from the Frank Gore Jr. Fighting Blackhawks or whatever they're called. My boys are not going to win the Sunbelt West. <laughs> yeah, I know. Coastal barely eked out a win over ULM. We nailed that pick. We said we would pick Coastal to win and ULM to cover. It happened. Hopefully you bet your mortgage on it, folks. As we highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, we, we recommend that. Very bet good. online, you want to just put your mortgage You're really on. good at predicting scores. I know. I've been hot. And then I went I looked at the JMU Sportsball guys, and they've been like just as good, if not better, the last three weeks. And I hadn't looked before, and I was like, oh, wow. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought. And we both... We're three and two last week. So I think you have a two game lead on me now. That's huge. All right, week seven. Louisiana and Marshall are already playing, so that game won't be according won't be added to this. Won't be added to it. I would have picked Marshall. So they're up seven. <laughs> they're up seven. We'll count it for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um number twenty five. No, we always save that for last. I don't know why I always <laughs> want to do it first. ODU Coastal. This one. I really wanted to pick ODU. They're coming off a bye. They're fiery, which I love. And Coastal's not been impressive. I just, I don't know. I think Coastal's offense is probably too good. So I'll say Coastal wins. I don't have any faith in ODU's offense, like at all. Yeah. And it's also, if this was at home, maybe I'd be able to go ODU. Right. But Coastal's favored by 12 and a half. Mm -hmm. I'm going Coastal. Texas State at Troy. Troy, 16-point favorites. But if we're talking the transitive property, Texas State has already beat Troy. That's Yeah, they don't even, they don't even need to show up. <laughs> Just submit that to the conference office and <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. I uh, I like Troy here. Troy, I feel like it's going to be a Troy-South Alabama race for the West title. I agree. Troy, 2-1 in Sun Belt. But like, if Texas State wins this game, all of a sudden Texas State leapfrogs all the way up and they're in the running for the West. That is crazy, yeah. But, yeah, I'm also on Troy. 16-point home favorites. Yeah. NFL Network game this week. ULM against USA. South Alabama's really good. Yeah, yeah, I've been saying. 4-1 and one with their one-point loss to an undefeated UCLA. They should be, like, near the top 25. But I, I'll say South Alabama. I think they're actually pretty good. I'm saying South Alabama as well. They're 17-point home favorites. Arkansas State, Southern Miss. Who do you got? Southern Miss is going to win this one. They're going to get back on track. They're going to go on a little bit of a push here and really threaten. I think the November 19th home game against South Alabama could very well determine the West. Unfortunately, I'm on Southern Miss as well. I just have no faith in Arkansas Unfortunately. State. Well, I wanted to pick one different from you on this. Oh, oh. This week, we're all the now. same. That's but. tough. JMU, Georgia Southern, who do you got? Oh, the line's up to minus 12. Yeah, she's growing. (laughs) I think JMU wins. I think they're going to score 50-plus points. They might cover the over-under on their own with a 69. Um, I could see that happening. 
I just think they're better than them. I think they're unbeatable. I think they're the best team, not in the state, but in the country. And I think if the college football playoff committee had any balls, they'd put them in. What's your score prediction? Oh. Oh, I put in, I had to pull it up to make sure I didn't get it wrong. Uh, put it in the newsletter. I said 45 to 27. Okay, I like that, even though you just said I think they go over 50 points, and here you are going under. Yeah, so I didn't in that one, so who knows. But I I do think it'll go over the total, which, did that even go over? Is my math even right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's like 72, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I'm going to go JMU 55. Ooh. Georgia Southern, 35. 55, so two field goals. (laughs) <laughs> or, or, missed uh, point. <laughs> or missed extra point interesting no, I like what, if they I like... only, what if they hit 12 field goals just to get get wise back on track with that 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 music getting cut off because you said that anything else you have to add no okay. women's soccer is playing well they are field hockey 17th in the country Men's soccer, not as good. I think Byington spoke to the media today. I looked at Ken Palm. Ken Palm numbers are not updated, but I looked at it for the first <laughs> time in a while. And, oh, I am excited for college basketball season. I mean, Jamie's going to win the national championship there, too. I wouldn't be surprised if we won it in men's and women's, uh, softball and baseball and lacrosse, and then football got away. Probably not baseball. One. Probably not baseball. Whatever it is. I think they could. Okay. Well, for Bennett Conlon, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You all have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.